Lucy Lampy is a mum of four, a trauma-informed sex and relationship coach, award-winning singer and songwriter, commercial actress and print model. And she's also a three times author. When men allow themselves to really feel is the anger, is the rage. For women, we tend to go straight into sadness and kind of like victimhood. That's the shadow of that. Her writing has been featured on the Huffington Post, Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, CBS and Box. The qualities of the sacred masculine or the masculine, you know, the masculine is, um, is very much that containment, not control, but this containment of this, this space where you feel safe. It's a space of safety. It's grounded. It's empty. It's everything and nothing all at once. The feminine is the fullness that fills that, fills that space where they work so in, in union together. After overcoming an autoimmune disorder and embarking on a deep healing journey and spiritual awakening during her husband's two-year disability and depression, Lucy returns with a bold message of love, courage, and freedom. From a man's perspective, is there anything we can do to accommodate this for her? One big thing that men can do to support them, their partners, their female partners in this case, is... Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. Lucy Lampy, absolutely delighted to have you here on the Modern Warrior Podcast. I somehow stumbled across your page some time ago, and we've had to jump through several hoops to get you here on this podcast, and I'm delighted that we eventually managed to do so, because your profile is beyond description, I think, and uh, it is unique, it's empowering, it is an absolute eye-opener in terms of some of the things you speak about so freely, so openly, so honestly, and you speak about many things that are quite taboo in today's society, and there's a lot of shame around some of these topics that you speak about, and I want to bring the listener on a journey where he or she can remove the shame and be liberated when it comes to sex and intimacy and uh, being at one with themselves so they can be at one with their with their loved ones, with their partners in those type of scenarios and in life in general. So an honor to have you here and I want to open up this conversation by bringing it back because although at the moment it seems like yourself and your husband have an absolutely incredible relationship you seem very very connected very loving it wasn't always that way was it no no it was not <laughs> tell us about that yeah well gosh where do i begin um so we've been married for almost 17 years so this year this fall it will be 17 years and we have right. four kids and thank you. And um, when we met, we were 
the stereotypical, you know, nice guy and good girl. And you know how that is. You've seen this a million times, I'm sure. And um, he was very athletic. He was in the military, but we met in college. We got married in college. We had our first kid a year later, still in college, you know, <laughs> graduated with a five-month-old husband. That was not my original plan. Um, but we, we, we had a very different vision for our lives and for our marriage than what ended up happening. But of course, it all happens perfectly as it's meant to. Um, there came a point where he, after he got out of the military, he'd been out, he, uh, he was the stay at home dad. So we decided we're going to, we're going to do things differently. I'm going to work. I'm going to focus on my career. We had our, our now high schoolers were just little, they were just little toddlers. And, um, and that was kind of, that was working out, you know, that was working out. It was working out well enough. But at that time, um, we had a lot of coping mechanisms that were keeping us going and keeping the status quo. For me, that became my work. I would just bury myself in work. And for him, his whole identity was like, I'm a great dad. And I'm the, which I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to this as well. But both of us not knowing how much of ourselves we hadn't fully owned and expressed yet. So when he, when he went through those two and a half years of, um, depression and disability, right? He, the man that I was used to being strong and resilient and crazy out there doing handstands next to the cliff, you know, that was the kind of guy that he, he, I always knew him as would do the impossible. He couldn't even change a diaper or take out the trash because he was in so much pain. So he got into video games and I got deeper into work, but then there just came a point during that time where, um, I was, I was actually pregnant with our, our fourth child. And I developed this autoimmune disorder. They thought it was related to the pregnancy, but after our baby was born, it actually got worse. So uh, that continued for another year and I was just miserable. I felt trapped in my body. I felt trapped in my marriage, in my family with all these responsibilities. I was the one, you know, the breadwinner and my husband wasn't even my husband anymore. Um, there just came a breaking point where I, I just, I, I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this the way that it, that it is going. I can't, I can't continue. I wasn't even sleeping at night more than an hour, hour and a half because I would just be covered in so many boils and sores and things. My sheets would be bloody every time I'd wake up and just oozing skin. It was, I, I'd like, how do I function? So I started to look for some different, um, different ways of looking at things. I was very at the end of my rope. Um, so funny, funny thing is I found, I, I found Tony Robbins, uh, work online and that was just enough to kind of get, get, get me back up the rope a little bit. And I would listen to his audios, pushing the double stroller every morning <laughs> to stay motivated to stay in my life. Um, but, uh, anyways, one thing led to another and I started to get into this more emotional connection, emotional releasing work. And I found a community to do that within. And eight months later, Ryan got into it too. Those eight months in between were a lot of resistance because he was very um, skeptical. You know, is my wife in a cult? Um, what is she trying to manipulate me into? Is she trying to trick me into changing? So it was it was a pretty uh, pretty tough time. But when he started to get into this work and tap into his repressed rage and grief and all of those years of unexpressed, unfelt emotions. 
that's when the real healing began. So since then, it's been a, quite a journey of, of that. Interesting because I'd often see this and I've, I've, I've experienced it myself where one of the individuals in the, in the relationship will begin this healing process or begin a process of self-development or beginning to uh, develop their self-awareness and looking to improve themselves and get better. And over time, they begin to venture down this this new path in their life. And there is a disconnect that's created from them and their partner because the partner either is not interested in that or the partner is, as you mentioned, resistant to it. Again, as you mentioned there about your husband, had feelings that maybe you're trying to change him or trying to fix him in some way. But eventually he did join you and I don't know what the statistics are in terms of one person doing the work and the other person will eventually follow or one person does the work and eventually leaves the marriage or leaves the relationship I don't know how that works out generally but yeah from your own experience from your own perspective how can we bring that person with us or do we do we common question Kevin yeah (laughs) the tricky part is and this is what I didn't know back then because there, there was truth to his feelings. Uh, there was a validity to his feelings of me wanting to fix him because I did. I did want to fix him. I wanted him to change. I wanted him. But the, the deeper desire of my heart was to feel free, to, was to feel at peace and to feel happy no matter what he was doing or not doing. I just couldn't see that at the time. So when even throughout the journey in these past seven, eight years, um, the big turning point in our relationship was when we both stopped trying to fix each other because when he got into doing this work it was equally him trying to coach me (laughs) you know and that just didn't work either way the the real magic happens when you can be honest with yourself about um i want my partner to be on this journey i want him to be as excited about the growth and the healing um but not having an attachment to them doing it like i accept what is regardless you don't make anybody do anything you can't you can at best inspire them with just who you are being not i'm going to be this so that he will do that but that is actually the way that we now keep inspiring each other to keep growing because we are on our very very intimate personal journeys both of us and then we have the journey that is ours. Yeah. So you you believe you always need to bring it back to yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Man or woman. I agree yeah. with that, yeah. So then when it comes to, let's go with the topic of intimacy at the moment. When it comes to intimacy in, in, today's, in today's world, what what's creating some of the barriers there for these couples and relationships when it comes to being intimate? So on the surface, I think that the way that it manifests, right, is in addictions. Things like um, uh, the most common ones that I hear from men and from their partners are things like porn, um, video games, um, work, just really drowning themselves in work. Um, uh, What's another one? Let's see. Sometimes just really hyper fixating on their bodies. Uh, But basically, whatever, whatever form that takes beneath the surface, what's happening is that there is a fear of really being seen. So whatever ways we, and also as women, whatever ways men or women choose to distract ourselves 
from seeing what's really there and letting it be seen. It's that, that to me is the biggest barrier to intimacy is just not allowing ourselves to be seen because intimacy, I don't remember who originally coined this, but it's into me see. And I can't see you if you won't let me see you, right? I can, I can see beyond the person's bullshit maybe. I mean, like, oh, I, 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 I can see what's really happening beyond behind the mask, but I want, um, but what we really want is for the other person to open their hearts and expose willingly. And that's where that intimacy is created. And when that sense of safety and trust is really there, all of the, the sexual connection and excitement and passion thrives from that. Otherwise it's like a forced, almost like performative kind of sexual connection. Yeah. And then the connection through sex is almost that distraction from connecting to each other outside of that experience as well. So there's no connection yeah, it can be. outside of the bedroom. And they believe, both people believe that if if we're having sex, then, you know, things things are things must be okay, things must be pretty good, but you feel it you feel that there is a disconnect there and yeah. neither one is being honest about it and neither one again two people may have their their guards up as you mentioned because of previous shaming from times when they expressed themselves to people who were in pain or people who are traumatized yeah. and received quite a, a negative reaction from it so how do you open up a, open up that conversation it, it is a scary conversation to open up. I'm not going to lie. Um, How was it for you? The, the, it was, uh, oh, it was, oh, it was, it was messy. It was messy. Um, however, what I will say is this. So just like you said, sex can be a distraction from like, give you like a sense of connection. It can also be just enough of a glimpse of that connection to be the like the portal into a deeper connection let's let's call it that uh because for us that was the initial opening that was the thing that kept us actually more connected through our messy season of figuring out our emotions and being real and raw and honest as much as we would fight we're not people who can have makeup sex or just have sex and forget about our fight like we actually both we, we learned this about ourselves we both need to feel emotionally safe and connected for his dick to get hard and for me to be ready to be penetrated uh, with that has to be there and so the thing is that when you recognize that the act of sex itself can only take you so far it, it has its threshold but it can be an opening into something deeper if you bring that awareness to it so for us what that looked like initially was having conversations about our fantasies when this really began opening was okay what turns you on what gets you like what gets your juices flowing? What's exciting for you? Even if you don't ever want it to happen in real life, because there are some fantasies that are way hotter just in your head and not in real life. That's something that a lot of people discover when they start trying things in real life. Like, ah, the fantasy is ruined because it's nothing like I thought it was. Um, but having those conversations and being present with the judgment that comes up when we have those conversations, like, oh, no, that's kind of disgusting. Or I feel like it, like, why would you want that? But that that's a part of letting ourselves be seen in 
all of the scary parts that we are the most afraid of being judged and rejected for. So the more that we started to do that and then work through the process of, okay, let me just sit with this for however long I need to to process what you just told me. But we would always come back to each other and come back together and find some kind of the common ground, the common vision that we have for our relationship. And um, and that helped a lot. It was like a soothing balm in all of the chaos of our emotional and spiritual healing process. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that there was potentially a lot of deal breakers within that period of time when the two of you were so disconnected. And for many couples, again, in relationships or marriages, those deal breakers would be the breakup of the relationship. How did you manage to switch a deal breaker into a, into a, an actual process where you could begin to move together again or come together oh, again? Yeah. Um, just like you said earlier, it comes back to the self. So in each of those situations, we would have to go deeper into ourselves, um, confront the, the abandonment wounds, the, the intense fear of being alone, the fear of like, oh my God, I'm going to lose everything, my entire reality. What are people going to think? What, you know, just going into those places in ourselves, um, very intentionally and being just being so present with the discomfort and the pain and the angst and the uncertainty. And only when we were individually willing to do that, because otherwise we were, we would just blame the other person. You made me feel this way. You make me feel like I'm not good enough. You this, you that. But where is that wound? And then we could bring the converse, bring that into the conversation again. So we could be seen, not just be seen in our wound, but be seen in our heart, like the deeper heart desire. What I want is to feel safe with you. I want to feel desired by you. I want to feel like you got me. I want to feel like we got each other's back, like no matter what's happening out in the world and the external. And um, we would bring, we were able for us in our relationship to, again, bring it back to this, this shared vision that we have for life. And some of, sometimes, sometimes they will say, Gavin, the things that we thought were deal breakers, the things that we thought were big issues were actually not an issue at all. It's just that we were looking at it through a particular lens of our trauma or of our whatever, our wounds. Um, that when we could see things through love, some of those things just like took care of themselves. And this is where that, that the weird magical shit that you can't explain happens in that space of surrendering something. I know that that's a little bit um, uh, esoteric. Uh, no, kind of the realm I like to play. It's it's interesting. <laughs> no, but there's there's something in that where I was on a one of my recent podcasts, and the individual on the podcast mentioned a statistic where I can't remember the exact number, but it was somewhere around sixty seven percent of problems in a marriage do not get resolved. Right, and unsolvable problems. That's sixty seven percent of successful marriages. Marriages, I should I should add there. 67 of 67% of problems and successful marriages do not get resolved. So he then begged the question that, okay, well, why are these mar marriages a success? 
Well, it's because they've learned to manage the problems. You back that up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and most and usually also with that, those are those problems are not like um in your face all the time, ever present problems usually either. It might be a little nagging, but like he likes to leave his laundry on the floor and I like him to pick it up. You know, but for for some couples when when they find that there's actually an incompatibility. I can be, that's a different conversation. Like for example, um, I've had some couples where the deeper they go in their their whole journey of self-discovery and self-expression and self-actualization, that one realizes that they really do want to be in multiple committed relationships and the other one really doesn't. And if they're both really true to their hearts and that's not going to be compatible unless it's something that they're willing to somehow, you know, compromise around or work around. But um the yeah so again it depends on what kind of unsolvable problems we're talking about yeah well there are certain non-negotiables isn't there i think there are i would i wouldn't call them non-negotiables i would call there's integrity so if if i'm in integrity with myself and with my heart and with who i am and something that you want is in conflict with that then it would I would be breaking integrity with myself to be that or agree to that. So there's that. That is always um, changing, shifting, expanding, you know, the, the, the further we go along on our journey. So that, uh, if we call them our non-negotiables, those can also shift throughout the course of our lives. But yeah, I think it's most important to be attuned to what is actually true for me. What is my heart? What what is um, um, not just what am I saying no to out of fear, but what am I saying no to out of honoring myself? And there's a difference. Being completely honest with yourself, isn't it? That's is that am I oversimplifying that? Yeah. Statement? Well, yeah. Being honest with yourself and seeing how much of it is is also being honest with yourself about how much is coming from your wounding, how much is coming from your fear. Just for the listeners, how do you know? So very physically, for me, for me, my experience and my body feels different when something is coming from a grounded yes or no, like truth with a big T, like truth, versus when I feel, it's like an ex more of a, a grounded but like expansive energy. And when it comes from this wounded little girl who's afraid of being, you know, abandoned, or rejected or second best, whatever. It feels contracted. It feel I feel it in a different part of my body, usually in my stomach. That's where I feel the the things. And it feels like a ball of energy. So I think one of the most fundamental things to be attuned to, men or women, is like what's happening in your body in your energy. Are you contracting? Are you expanding? Are you, you know, because you can feel afraid, um, not uh it's a different energy of actual fear, but you can feel like, I don't know what's on the other side of this if I say yes, and feel an expanded energy about it. Or you can feel like a fear and a contraction. So I would bring it back to, to the body first. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I've, I've recently gone back to therapy, but I'm tapping into some more of that somatic work. And the question always being, where do I feel in my body? Which is never a quite I've, I've done lots of therapy over the years but it's never a question that was ever asked of me through previous therapists 
you know, if you, you, you've had this experience, so where did, and, we, and we talk it through, and then she asks me where I feel in my body, and I'm thinking, what? What's the matter where I feel in my body? It's like, well, your your body, and I understand now, of course, but your body holds holds the trauma. Your body um, keeps score. So yeah, it's very interesting. And then just sitting with that, and th- that's something extremely difficult to do. And I and with the work that I that I do with the men, the one thing I recommend to do every single day, every single man I work with, is you've got to cultivate a period of time every single day where you're alone with your thoughts yeah. and your feelings. No distractions, no noise. You switch off the external voices or the external noise and you, and then you turn up the, the automatically the internal volume is turned up and then you can start paying attention to what's going on within you. And I'm a big advocate for some breathing exercises along with some journaling, which helps massively and it's something I've done over the years. So... Is, is that a similar approach that you would take or are we missing a key component there when it comes to actually releasing some of this trauma through your body? I mean, I think all of those pieces are very important and they've been part of our journey as well. Um, one thing that I think was more, um, uh, a little less common is this whole concept of Basically, if you think of, of the masculine and feminine energies, right, to, to not confuse people, this is not that the main male and female. It does not mean that. We, we, we all have both of these energies to different and different harmonious combination. <laughs> um, but you can see it in nature. You know, it's like the sun is associated with masculine energy. The moon is associated with feminine. It, it, they're, they're, and yet they all work as one. It's all in union. It's, it's, it's how it naturally is. But in us... So a lot of times, the the collectively, men are very disconnected from their inner feminine, and so you see this all the time. And like, no boys don't cry. You know, you, we don't cry about it. Don't feel like just keep it together, man. Keep it together. And this is one of the biggest wounds in the men that I work with is that they have this, they feel this burden that is not theirs to carry. That they're supposed to be the ones to hold the space all the time and they have no space, no wiggle room to ever lose their shit. So one thing that I would say, and this is something that helped Ryan tremendously, was intentionally losing his shit in his own space. Every day. He did this every single day for the first almost year and a half of his beginning to awaken. He realized that he was not as, um, well, he realized that he had a lot more anger than he thought he did. <laughs> but that's really where the gold was, where the gift was. And when he worked with all of these different layers of self-judgment and self-loathing and criticism, and when he was able to release that in himself, he was able to release that towards me and not project that onto me and vice versa. So that is what some some coaches will call um, you know, men descending into their feminine like you've got to descend into that feeling, that intensity, fullness of feeling, that full feminine range of feeling. It's fucking wild, okay? And to be able to be real, like truly grounded and rooted in your truth. Otherwise, there's these feelings that we're always going to kind of be avoiding and afraid of. Um, so whatever that might look like, I think that the, the most natural themes um, go to feeling when men allow themselves to really feel is the anger, is the rage, 
for women, we tend to go straight into sadness and kind of like victimhood. That's the shadow of that. So um, giving that space to exist and giving that space to be expressed so that you no longer have to be afraid of your own intensity. That in and of itself is really powerful. So how did he lose his shit? What was the, what was the strategy there? Oh, yeah. So he had a process. He actually had a process. And um, I think he still has the app subscription for men if anyone is, is interested in this. But you go through a process of questions and that help reflect back to you what you're triggered about and and the deeper truths beneath that. But before you go deep into the mental part of it, you get into the feeling part of it. So he would start with fuck yous. You know, um, if he was mad at me or mad about something one of the kids did, uh, he would go into his closet and he would make his process about that. You work with the triggers that are already present because believe me, life gives you plenty. So pick one, <laughs> pick one a day. Uh, uh, a, me a metaphorical closet closet now, yes. We no, literal stop. closet. A literal yeah, closet. <laughs> <laughs> he literally went into the closet. We at, at, at our old house, we had our own walk-in closet. Like oh, he had okay. one, I had one. So his closet, it was big enough. It was like a little room. And um, okay. And he would just beat the shit out of this pillow. He would scream into it. He would scream and snot and just, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you for this and that, and just letting it come out. But doing it in this container, it's like a ceremony. Even. You know, it's a ritual. You're not um, waiting until the last straw and then all of that shit comes out at the person. I had to learn to do the same because I have a, I learned that I have a lot of potential for just wrath. <laughs> and when I started to tap into that, it came out at him and that was completely misdirected. So I had to also do learn to do that same thing. And I've done a lot of it. <laughs> and then we wonder why it's mostly males in prison and mostly males that are... Uh... Yeah, and the suicide rates and yes. mm. mental health. Yes. All of that, yeah, and all that is a lot of that is um, sourced with that internal rage or anger that they can't get in touch with or fail to get in touch with, and that we feel ashamed of. We feel ashamed of it, yeah, big time, yeah, yeah. What's sacred masculinity or sacred masculine? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, yeah. So when I talk about the sacred masculine or the sacred feminine, it's like this. It's, again, not the gender roles of men, like male and female bodies, right? It's this presence, this energy. It's more of like a spiritual law, we'll call it, um, of the divine union that happens. So those who are not in wouldn't consider themselves spiritual. Okay, like like I'm not, I'm not into all the spirituality stuff. Like, that's okay. Some of this languaging may not resonate. But um, for me, it's that divine father presence and the divine mother presence. It, I have such a, a, a deep and intimate connection with it that I've had all my life. But early on, when my, um, I was a pastor's daughter, when my father, when my parents, you know, became Christian and they um, got it deep into the religion, Southern Baptist, evangelical, um, I felt a disconnection from that innate union, let's call it, um, because it became very much about this punitive God that is waiting for you to fuck up and you're all, you can't trust your heart. And 
your, your heart is deceitful and you're born of sin. And so I had a lot of things to deconstruct before I could connect with that divine essence. So it's this universal love. And the qualities of the sacred masculine or the, the masculine, of, you know, the masculine is, um, is very much that, that containment, not control, but this containment of this, this space where you feel safe. It's a space of safety. It's grounded. It's empty. It's everything and nothing all at once. The feminine is the fullness that fills that fills that space. That's why they work so in, in union together. She is the full range of emotions, expression. She's not logical. She's there to be experienced and witness and seen and beholden. And he is there to witness. So, um, but that can also that work. That, that can also be vice versa, though, isn't it? Where the well, in maybe. men and women, yes, yeah. men, like men can can embody that feminine very strongly in some moments, even if they are primarily more at home in their masculine essence. Mm -hmm. Let's call it. So again, this is not limited to what body you have, but um, everyone has a different. Um, like if we had to put a number on it, for example, for me, I feel most at home when I'm like three quarters in my feminine and about like a quarter to a third in my, in my masculine. So I honor that I need the structures and the containment to create and flow within. That includes those boundaries and those foundations. Otherwise, if the feminine has no masculine containment, Jesus and all over the place. The, the masculine is direction and focus and vision and clarity, getting things done, initiating. And when you think about this in like the ancient, you know, the yin and yang, um, one is receptive and one is penetrating. So it's it's that same kind of thing. We just put different different wordings and apply it to a different context or time. So as uh, both of you began to grow and progress and heal. And connect on a deeper level how did that have a ripple effect to the people in your life at the time now of course but i'm sure it had significantly positive a significantly positive impact on your children but i'm pretty sure it came with some negative consequences too that be true yeah i mean there were there was fallout yeah there were people that we no longer um resonated with or that didn't resonate with us it's like we broke the agreement of we're on the same page about this and we went we kind of went rogue <laughs> you know we went to the the wilderness and yeah that did ruffle a lot of feathers we did um we did experience a lot of disconnection from our parents our families um that has since been reconciled and begun to reconnect and really see each other's heart but it was just such a a wild journey even with our kids actually um they saw us in our messiest parts of the journey so they also especially our teenagers the little kids they're just you know consciously couldn't be aware of what was happening but um they have gotten to heal with us our teenagers and learn how to trust learn how to you know how to open their hearts and and how to follow what their hearts will want and how to not people please mm -hmm. and how to be assertive and be bold and all those things. So, um, yeah, I think that in the bigger picture, as anyone 
begins to be more true to who they really are when they begin discovering who that really is. You're going to just naturally move away connection-wise and energetically from the people that don't resonate, that don't align with that. And then you're going to attract more people that do resonate with that. And so we have found uh, some really beautiful new friendships and communities where that energy is reciprocated. And we feel that connection and that emotional intimacy and spiritual intimacy with people that we didn't have before, even when we were when we were in church. Do you, do you get a lot of pushback from the content you post? Uh not anymore. <laughs> I think back to twenty nineteen. You don't I, listen to it. Yeah. I, <laughs> no, I I think um I think now the people that are there or the people I come across it, they're like, okay, yeah, they 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 have this understanding with the universe that this is coming to me for a reason, and it's not a coincidence. But but four years ago, when I started to post more openly and be more bold and in my and what I share, there was a lot more fallout. Yeah, because again, people were used to seeing this version of me, and all of a sudden they felt betrayed. Like, who is this woman? I don't know her. I can't trust her. <laughs> I can, I can relate quite strongly to that. Yes, for sure. And uh, because you have this other identity that you've broken free from isn't it and people can't recognize with this new identity but yeah. it's so you isn't it this time yeah. whereas before the identity was tied up in the the pain and the trauma from the past yes mm -hmm. yeah Sad. when it comes to women in today's world now as i said to you earlier like the majority of the listeners here are men uh -huh. And I understand that there's a lot of women quite repressed when it comes to sex, maybe quite closed off, quite shameful, especially when it comes to orgasms or completely allowing themselves to, to just let go in those scenarios. And I understand that the woman has to do the work on herself to be able to open up her heart and to be completely free from the, the shame that she feels in, in those situations. But from a man's perspective, is there anything we can do to accommodate this for her? Yeah, um, there is. There is. Although, yes, I really want to emphasize that part that she has to, at some point, just be willing to go into the stuff herself. Um, for me having my own self-pleasure practice was the key it was the key um no matter how much he did ultimately i did that but but what he did in that was he created he allowed he gave me his full support he encouraged that he wasn't um insecure about it he didn't feel offended that always oh, she's masturbating it's going to take away from me you know that type of thing when can i can i can i watch <laughs> yeah, 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 and then even that, even that, when I was like, no, I need some time to unravel my shame, yeah. and like, it's not pretty, dude, it's not pretty, it's not like a porn, but um, but even then, like, actually, one one big thing that men can do to support them, their partners, their female partners in this case, is um, being so patient, but also not withholding their invitation. 
So what I see a lot and what I've experienced as well in my marriage is that when a man is met with a no enough times, he will stop asking. And one of that's just complete erotic rusher right there. That's when we, you know, we see people turning to um, other ways to cope and porn and, um, uh, you know, alcohol and uh, affairs when they no longer feel like it's safe enough to even express the desire to their partner without feeling like they're going to be met with disgust or, you know, because disgust, that's a whole different level of rejection. Like, oh, get off of me. Like, is this all you want from me is sex? So if there's one thing that, um, one of the things that I would recommend for men is to um, make it more of a practice, not a one-time thing. I did the thing and she didn't like it, so that didn't work. But making it a practice to actually open his heart to his woman. And and for example, I'm going to give you an example. Having a, and not out of the blue, like you're watching TV and you're like, hey, you know, I want to have sex more, but just want you to know, you know. But, but being very intentional and mature and conscious about this and telling her, hey, there's something I would like to talk with you about and it, and I'm nervous about it and it's really vulnerable for me. Um, and I want to make sure that our full attention can be on this conversation. So when is a good time? What would be a good time to have that conversation? And that way he's not self-sabotaging at 11 p.m. at night, asking her when she's fucking tired and has to wake up at 5 a.m. with a baby and then saying, see, it didn't work. So be conscious about that and intentional. And another thing is that when she says no, whatever place that's coming from, if it's wounding or if it's like a sacred, truthful no, honoring herself, wherever that no comes from, for him to have an attitude and maybe even say, thank you for taking care of yourself. And what that does is it helps her to trust him more that she's safe to say no. And here's the ironic thing about women. I see this with nearly every single couple I've worked with. When she feels free to say no without being guilted or feeling resent resented, she wants to say yes more. She begins to say yes more. It's this weird paradoxical thing. I, I you know, we we can explain it in a million different ways psychologically but um i don't know if you've seen that or experienced that but yeah well, she feels safe she? Yeah. yeah 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 she knows she's not gonna be met with uh a critical wounded little boy you know that's gonna yeah who takes it personally yeah taking it personally mm -hmm. yeah 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 that's important what if no i'm i'm a i'm a dad i've got a daughter who's heading into her teenage years you have a couple of teenagers there from a dad's perspective onto a teenage daughter how can i and again there's a lot of dads listening to this podcast too how can i best yeah. navigate her as she moves through the next Oof. six years of her life especially yeah. <laughs> As her yeah. uh, hormones begin to change, as interests begin to change, uh, she maybe begins to explore that uh, these are the things in her life. From a dad's perspective, mm. give me some advice here, will you? 
Lucy. Oh, that's a, that's a juicy. <laughs> this is a juicy one, Kevin. Oh my God. I will say that for us, our two teenage girls are a year apart. So they went through like the hormone shifts and getting their periods and getting their bras like within a year of each other. It was felt like it was not nonstop. It was like back when they were teething as toddlers. One's done, the other one's getting started. One's getting the toilet figured out, the other one's about, you know. Anyways, so um, for us, the toughest years were actually the the middle school, the preteen years, like 11, 12, for whatever reason. Well, their hormones are really ramping up. As soon as they both got their periods, it actually got a lot easier. <laughs> but one thing that any dad could do that will um, just make things, just just bring more ease into your relationship is understanding a little bit more about her cycle it just a woman's cycle period and and recognizing that um in that in those five days in particular before a period she will likely be illogically upset about things and we don't need to fix it and not just in those we call it, it's the late luteal phase of a cycle. There's a lot that a lot of resources on this on the internet. If any anybody wants to, to learn more about this, not just for your daughters but also for your partners, it'll serve you greatly. Um, but but throughout her her whole navigating her new womanhood, um, one thing to keep in mind is that you don't need to fix her. And this is so perfectly reflected in how men approach their partners as well. Um, our second oldest daughter, she's the most like me. And when I was in high school, I, I would get wildly emotional, but I wasn't allowed to feel it openly. So I would tuck it away and I would cope some other ways. I would run more, I would do more. I would kind of like beat my body into submission. Our daughters have freedom to feel so sometimes it gets fucking intense. And one of the biggest things for me too, as the mother for both of us is to just be able to witness her and hear her. And again, the feminine just wants to be witnessed and heard more time than she wants to actually be offered a solution. And so the practice of just listening to your daughter and letting her body her just thematically learn that it's safe to feel around you without being met with resistance without being met with what's wrong with you here's how let me fix you because your feelings make me so uncomfortable i need to make it stop so how do i make it stop and that makes her some part of her inside just want to shut down around her dad mm -hmm. and we've personally been there with both of them and then kind of worked our way out of that situation so are you optimistic about the future with for human connection and intimacy and relationships with the rise of artificial intelligence and the ever pervasive temptations to find connections in fantasy and virtual reality I am I am optimistic. I think that um, what I am noticing is more of a wave of people waking up to their hearts. And I don't know 
what role everything is going to play with the artificial intelligence. It could go in so many different directions. It could be really supportive of intimacy and connection. Even it could be used. It all depends. You know, the con- it's not it's less about the activity or the thing itself, and more about the level of consciousness that you bring to it. And so, so yeah, I'm seeing more and more people wake up. Yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of corruption and weird government shit and things and, and environmental things, but if we each really truly devote ourselves to what we can do, and, and as you see me talk a lot and share on my page, just actually embodying the love and the truth and the integrity in the way that we're actually here to do, that that is changing things. That is having a really powerful ripple effect. I think it's an interesting paradox where the rise of artificial intelligence is actually combining with the rise of psychedelics or the rise of yeah. therapy or the rise of self-development work, self-care. Yeah. I think it's quite fitting at the moment how that is actually, wor- the two of them are sort of evolving at a similar rate. And I think there's a reason for that. You know, people do want to reconnect to what matters yeah 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 they want to feel that that connection and the connection in themselves is there anything that you haven't mentioned here or haven't spoken about here that you feel needs to be spoken about is there anything that you've potentially left on the table there that needs to be said needs to be put out there to help men and women connect on a deeper level I mean, there's always a lot we have to leave on the table <laughs> lest we talk all day. But um, I, I think that the piece is if, if someone listening really takes what they've already heard and lets it sink in and, and doesn't just listen, but actually commits to those practices and that way of treating each other and showing up, um, that that's the way that we don't leave things on the table <laughs> is by actually taking action on them and and trusting that whatever gaps in knowledge or like how do I navigate this season or situation trusting that the tools for that will be available to you when you need them the resources the people the mentors the books whatever um and to, to stay open to uh the possibility of those those tools and resources coming in ways that um, you may not have uh, expected. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about non-negotiables when it comes to relationships and potential deal breakers. Do you and your husband have certain non-negotiables when it comes to the the continual growth and progress of your relationship right now? Um, can I, I wouldn't say non. And now if you would have asked me this three years ago, I would have given you a list of non-negotiables. would be like, and he can't do this. And if I do this, and he does what well, it's not, not, not even that, but, but that there's a non-negotiable that actually enhances the relationship. So for example, yeah, that so more like every, a commitment. yes. Yeah. 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 The commitment is what we, um, we are well committed to living. And that is that the commitment ultimately is to love itself. And so again, while this might seem a kind of sound to some of you listening a little bit out there and esoteric and like, what the fuck is this? But that commitment is to love 
And that commitment to love will take us to the edges of where our little ego self is comfortable and force us beyond what we think we're capable of. And again, this is not in a compromising way to your heart and what you actually, in your integrity. But there is a, we have learned there is a big difference between my ego's comfort zone, our ego's comfort zone, and our, our expressed integrity in service to that love. So the commitment is to that. The commitment, the deeper commitment is to our own journeys with this universe, source, whatever anyone wants to define it as, and trusting each other's connection with that. So yeah, that's that's the commitment. If there was ever, I, I will say that I have a deep trust in Ryan, my husband, in his connection to that, to that source that I trust that if anything ever came up that felt in violation to what my honor and my integrity is, that I can dive straight into the heart of it with him without having to tiptoe around it. And whatever comes from that comes from that. And we'll both be great. We'll both be fine. I trust that. Go all in. Yeah. Message here. Lucy. Love this conversation. Thank you. And I'd love the content for many different reasons. You got it. Keep it coming. <laughs> for, for any of you, for any of the people listening here, they want to reach out, they want to check out your content, learn more about you, where's best to go and what's best to do? Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Lucy Lampy and um, all the current groups and courses, coaching, YouTube, all that stuff will be at lucylampy.com. Excellent. And you do have, you you always seem to have courses happening and coming up. Yeah. 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 So I've got, a, I think like 21, 20 or 21 <laughs> courses at this point available. Some for men, some for, well, actually one for men coming up, some for women, some for couples. Um, and, uh, and then there's of course coaching for those who want to go deeper. Uh, individually or as a couple sweet get on it people thank you <laughs> thank you Gavin thanks for having me here thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast if this episode has added value to your life please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives for the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.